Hi there. Before we begin, I just wanted to let you know that we did have a bit of a sound issue at the beginning of recording this episode. Um, unfortunately, it affects our guest host Marita's sound for the first three or four minutes of the episode. If you can just bear with us during those first couple of minutes, then I promise you the sound will get much better. So I hope you do listen all the way to the end of the episode. Thanks and sorry about that. Repodcasting is part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try. We're repodcasting. Welcome to another episode of Repodcasting. I'm Lucia, and this month, Janet is not here. She took the month off, but we do have a special co-host. Hello, everyone. I'm Marita, and I'm very happy to be filling in for Janet this month. Yeah, so you might remember Marita from several episodes, actually. What would it have been? Punch Drunk Love and Fifty Shades of Grey and Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. Yeah. So it's nice to have you back, Marita. Thank you. It's nice to be back. <laughs> so this month... As we often will request our guests to choose a movie, Marita has chosen Eyes Wide Shut. So what made you think of this movie? Well, when you and Janet asked me to be a part of another episode, I was thinking of what's a movie that I've seen that I thought would be better if it had different actors in the main roles. And um, I guess because... Uh, you and Jenna had done The Firm, you were doing The Firm, or I just mentioned it, or it was advertised or something, and I, it made me think of Tom Cruise, and it reminded me of the movie Eyes Wide Shut, mm -hmm. which I saw when it had first come out, and uh. I just thought, at the time I thought, this movie is so weird, but then later, thinking about it, I thought it could have been actually a, a very interesting movie if it had different cast members. I thought so. Okay. Well, agree with me, dear listeners, after they hear my casting choices. <laughs> so, I had never seen this movie. Um, oh. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I didn't really have an interest in it. It didn't look. I remember when it was coming out, there was a ton of talk about like how it was very sexual and whatever. And I just, I don't know, maybe I'm more prudish than I thought. I just wasn't interested. <laughs> and honestly, I was a little bit, he not hesitant, but like I was putting off watching it. I ended up watching it this morning. What? Yeah. So it's fresh in your mind. Yes. And I've been saying for literally the past seven days, I'm going to watch it today. I'm going to watch it today. <laughs> so what, can I ask you, did you overall thought of it or should we talk about that later no we can talk about it i didn't like it and i definitely didn't like the leads i think we can improve upon it uh so we'll get into that soon but i also just didn't like it and i think because okay knowing what i know about kubrick first of all that colors things because he's just notorious he was notorious for like treating actors badly and manipulating them and like if you uh, read about Shelley Duvall's experience in making The Shining, like he just like 
kept her, he like tortured her so that she would give a performance of a frightened woman. Like she's an actor. Let her act like a frightened woman. I just, I don't know. That's, that's just how he is. And uh, A Clockwork Orange, he treated Malcolm McDowell quite badly too. Even like not just on set physically, but even not paying him when he came back to do a bunch of ADR lines. Oh yeah. Like he was horrible. So watching a Kubrick movie now, knowing what I know about him, that's coloring it right away. Then, <laughs> knowing how particular he is, he wanted these performances. He does hundreds and hundreds of takes. So, for example, Nicole Kidman's, when she gives her confession, that is kind of the inciting incident, she's acting so crazy. Yes. And like what is that supposed to be because she's high like i i don't know i'm not a huge pot smoker or anything but i don't think that's what it does to you yeah so i think that the performances that are there are what the director wanted so you know i'm happy to change the leads but i'd also have to change a lot more you said you had seen it before i'm thinking i'm guessing you watched it again yes i did i watched it a couple days ago okay so what do you think of it now. Well, that's interesting because watching it now, 20 years later, so now I'm in my 40s, and the main difference, okay, the first time I saw it, I just thought this movie is bizarre and weird and strange. And I never liked Tom Cruise, even back then when everybody loved him, I didn't like him. And I just thought, you know, same performance he always gives, like a robot. To me, he's like a robot in every movie. He does not act. Like, I don't know if he thinks he's acting. I'm sure he thinks he's acting. <laughs> <laughs> but he just has no emotion to his acting at all. He's like a robot. And they, I felt like they had no believable chemistry. Which is amazing. Which is interesting, because they were married when that movie was filmed. Yeah. So anyway, I didn't answer your question. So before I just thought it was weird and that it was just like uh, eye roll Tom Cruise. Here he is again. But this time I, especially because I was watching it knowing I was going to recast it. I watched it with a more critical eye and I kept thinking like this movie could be really interesting if it had two different lead actors and to be honest, a different director. Uh-huh. I That's agree. What I so I didn't know all that backstory about Stanley Kubrick, but yeah, because when she's acting all crazy in that scene, that's the director. He's 100%. telling her, he's directing her to act like that. So I didn't really blame her for it, but uh, yeah, it was interesting that they had, they were married, but when the movie came out in 1999, and they were married from 1990 until 2001. So they'd been married for nine years at this point. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know, maybe they hated each other by that point. <laughs> but they had no chemistry at all. I thought it was really, really poor casting now, to put them together. Should those characters have chemistry? Because Yeah, because by the end of the movie, they're like, you know, our love and our marriage, we can survive this. Because I think, well, getting into, I guess, the thing, the whole movie and recasting, but um, I felt like the lead male, so Dr. Bill Harford, he's supposed to be this, like, 
desirable, like sexy man that everybody wants and everybody's throwing themselves at him. And the wife is supposed to be beautiful in an unassuming way. But I, I feel like we're supposed to believe that they love each other. They're just going through this like rough patch because nobody pays attention to her and everyone's all over him. Oh, because at that opening party, that man wants to take her away. <laughs> yeah, and that's like an unusual thing. And so here she is at a party. This is how I saw the movie. Mm-hmm. So she's at a party. Her husband's out socializing and flirting and having people flirt with him. And she's like drinking alone. And it seemed like that's what she's used to. Mm. And it's then this like man comes along who is attracted to her and desires her. And so she contemplates cheating because this is different. And and it's like, for once she's getting the attention. So that's how I saw the movie this second time. Okay. That's Um, interesting. I guess because it's Nicole Kidman and she's gorgeous like uh-huh. i didn't read it that way uh-huh. um, but he, what about the si- the scenes i mean where she's like at home and in her glasses and you know helping her kid or whatever it's i think we're supposed to see her that she's like the typical mom who mm-hmm. no, like she just doesn't have all the sexualness that he's getting because he's like a hot doctor that everyone wants That's so funny. I was trying to figure out when I was trying to recast, I, I read it the other way around. Like that he wasn't sexy and she was, or what do you mean? Not that he wasn't sexy, but more that she was the sexy one of the two. Really? What about that first scene in the party where the girls are all over him? Yes. And she's alone. Somebody's those girls aren't asking him to, divorce his wife but the do- the hungarian guy is asking her to divorce her husband oh well okay that's interesting yeah it'd be interesting now if like i watched it again to see if yeah. i would see it the same way but okay so um i'll i'll just get into the box office figures so the budget on this film was 65 million which is actually really low when you consider the the stars like their star power and yeah. also how long this movie took. Um, I don't know if you saw uh, yeah. like years. It actually holds the Guinness decades. World Record. Well, mm-hmm. decades since he got the rights, since Stanley mm-hmm. Cooper got the rights for sure. But they started filming in November of 96. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. And then the movie was released in like, I think it was summer of 99. Oh. And it holds the world record for the longest continuous shooting of a movie at like 400 days or something ridiculous like that. So, you know, that all costs a lot of money. On top of that, Stanley Kubrick, he had a really bad fear of flying. So, and he lived in England and the movie set in New York. So they essentially built sets that were like to a T exactly like certain parts of New York to the point where he had production designers go and measure street widths and things like that. So I did read that it was mainly sets. Yeah. And all that, you know, costs quite a bit of money. So 65 million is really interesting that like, it's actually kind of low for the movie that it is. Probably didn't pay Nicole. Probably. I'm not even joking. Yeah. She was 
married to Tom Cruise. They were part of the whole Scientology. They probably forced her to do it. and She didn't get paid. Yeah, I don't know what they were paid, but I know that they both her and Tom Cruise signed open-ended contracts, which I don't know. I'm not an actor. I don't know if that's typical, but I really don't think so. And so that meant that they couldn't take on any other jobs as long as the movie was still going. Mm. But anyway, in the US, it made $55.7 million. So it didn't it, even recoup. No, oh, but... Worldwide, yeah. It was a hit in a lot of other countries, and it made $162 million worldwide. So okay. it was a success. That makes sense, because other countries are much more open to sexuality than the States. For sure. So people in the States, I think, and in Canada, mm-hmm. in the States, in, they would probably watch this movie and just be, like, almost uh, horrified. That's <laughs> like, oh, my God, there's so much sexualness in that movie. But I think, this time, watching it, that... And also because I read what it was based on. Did you read about that? It was the 1926 novella. I think it, was, it was a novella, right? Called Dream Story. Mm-hmm. And so it's supposed to be like this bizarre, crazy two days in this guy's life. And I think Tom Cruise did not convey that in any way because he didn't look confused once. Right, he, right. he never looked confused. Yeah. And we're supposed to go on this journey with him of like, what the hell is going on? But not knowing that you're supposed to be on that journey, he does not take you on that journey. I agree. Yeah. I didn't get that from him at all. Mm-hmm. And then the, well, we've already talked quite a bit about the movie. And hopefully if you're listening, well, I don't oh, know, hopefully synopsis. you watched it. But uh, <laughs> here's a quick synopsis. So it's described as an erotic mystery psychological drama. <laughs> a New York City doctor embarks on a harrowing nightlong odyssey of sexual and moral discovery after his wife reveals a painful secret to him. And so before we get into the recasting, this episode of Repodcasting is brought to you by Park Power a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your energy from. If you switch retailers, nothing changes about the delivery of electricity or natural gas to your home or business. If you have an existing contract, you're going to want to find out the terms for leaving. If you don't, then it's even easier to sign up for Park Power. The choice is yours, and there's a better deal available to you. Learn more at parkpower.ca. And now we can get right into the recasting. And so, Marita, as the guest co-host, you can start with your recasting of Dr. Bill. Okay. First of all, I'd like to say that after hearing what you said about how Stanley Kubrick treated his actors, I would not want this person being in his movies. (laughs) (laughs) But if he was just a nice guy director... (laughs) Then I think, okay, so first um, I read that Dr. Bill Harford's name comes from the fact that Stanley Kubrick wanted someone who was like Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's Harford. Okay. Um, so like charming and confident. And I feel like the character is supposed to be charming, confident, good looking and desirable to everybody. And also someone who can act like when they suddenly are thrust into this crazy erotic world that makes no sense because there's several parts of the movie that like are so 
bizarre. They almost don't make sense. Mm -hmm. Even by the end. Yeah. And, but it's because it's supposed to be like a dream story, like the original one was called. So I feel like I wanted someone who could really portray like confusion, but still like easygoing enough to go along with it all. Okay. Like he does. So I cast or recast Johnny Depp uh, as the lead. Okay, okay, of course. <laughs> because he's very good looking and it would be very believable that he's like at a Christmas party with like hundreds of people and girls are coming up to him and hitting on him and um, and that he's like used to that, you yeah. know? And also I think in several movies where he has to play like confused he does it really well <laughs> like he looks confused okay so um i think he could really play that role well and it would come across where he would take us on that journey as i was saying where we would feel like what the hell is going on right based on his facial expressions and his reactions to what's happening so i came very close to also casting johnny depp and the reason I didn't is because I thought I bet Marito will. <laughs> and then after that, like after deciding who I was casting, I did read that he was considered for the role at some point. Oh, I didn't read that. That's yeah. funny. Mm -hmm. I read a few people that were considered, but I didn't see his name. Okay. Um, Johnny. For me, I, I also just wanted to cast somebody who can act and um and like the confused thing is good too because i decided to cast david duchovny from the x-files and californication oh, yeah, yeah. okay he um, good. yeah so well actually i'll tell my quick journey of recasting for this one initially i cast two people and then i looked at them and i was like i don't know they're just too boring of a choice i feel um and then i started reading more about the production and the story that it was based on and it was originally like the two lead characters are Jewish and yes. that that scene where there's like frat boys who like call Tom Cruise gay and push him uh -huh. and uh -huh. that was actually supposed to be an anti-Semitic frat and they were yes. like giving him. I read that. Yeah. So then I was like, well, let me at least cast two Jewish actors. Um, I don't know. It just feels like. It, apparently it's not the first time that Kubrick did that, like kind of a whitewashing. And so I just thought that uh, it would be better to cast Jewish actors. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, so I, uh, David Duchovny was my choice. And I wasn't really an X-Files watcher, but I'd catch it here and there, bits and pieces. And honestly, seeing his performance in that is kind of what led me to think that he would be good in this. Yeah, I agree. I think he'd be a good choice. Cool. Okay. Um, and then the other role we decided to recast was Alice Harford, played by Nicole Kidman. And so for her, I had a really hard time casting this one, recasting. But I feel, as I said before, that it would have to be someone who's really beautiful, but in an understated way. So she is gorgeous, but she's like in the shadows almost. Okay. So I chose Mira Sorvino. Ah, yeah, she's really, really, really pretty, but she's so understated and mm -hmm. you never hear about her very much. Oh, for the listeners, she was Rami in Rami and Michelle's high school reunion. <laughs> she's been in other Romy. stuff too, but I, oh, it's Romy. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was Rami. Romy. Okay. Romy. So she's Romy yeah. in that movie with Phoebe. 
I've seen her on some interviews, like Jay Leno kind of talk show interviews, and she's very like well spoken, and she's seems like a you know a good person, <laughs> but falls into the shadows. Okay, I feel like that's how she is, mm-hmm. and so I thought she'd be good for this role because she could play it. And I also thought her and Johnny Depp would be a good couple. I think they'd have good chemistry together. Yeah, I could and see them. It would be believable. I thought that they were like, you know, their marriage is going through a rough patch, but in the end, they decide to stay together and and love wins and kind of the <laughs> stuff at the end where they say. That, I. Uh, I'm going to go off on a tangent for a second, but I just, I find it so interesting that to you, the ending was love wins. Cause in that last scene in the toy store, when Tom Cruise says to Nicole Kidman, so what are we going to do? And Uh I think she says, be grateful, something like that. Yeah. I wrote it down. She said, be grateful. And oh, so this is a perfect example of how bad of an actor he is. So he's just experienced this crazy orgy thing and his life was threatened and all this crazy, crazy stuff. And then he tells her about it. And then the next day when he's like, so what should we do? And she says, be grateful. And then there's silence and the camera goes to his face and he's just like, no emotion, (laughs) zero emotion. (laughs) Like, wouldn't you be at least confused then? If the crazy orgy didn't confuse you, <laughs> then what about when your wife tells you to be grateful after you've told her all of this? Like, yeah. wouldn't you look confused? Anyway, but so he just stares blankly at her. <laughs> and then she says, even though he didn't say, what do you mean? She explains, grateful that we managed to survive through all of our adventures, whether they were real or only a dream. Which, if you take that literally, it's like his adventures were real. Hers were only a dream. Right. Or were his adventures real or only a dream? Yeah. Yeah. So grateful that they survived it. His adventures, like he is, once he finds out that his wife had fantasized about leaving him when she saw this sailor or whatever, um, he starts kind of like chasing sex. Like he wants to get back at her and cheat on her, but he ends up not doing anything with anybody. Well, right. sorry, there are there are a couple kisses or whatever, but yeah, he doesn't yeah. end up actually like prostitutes house. Yeah, yeah, twice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So anyway, sorry. So what I was gonna say is that, like, to me, when she says like "be grateful" and whatever, it felt like it was let's settle. Like, let's just not let's pretend that we didn't have this difficult time in our marriage and. And we didn't learn anything from it. And, and let's just move on. And maybe that's just no, my read, but. No, I don't, I don't agree because after she said that, like we managed to survive this through our adventures. Then, like, then after that, she says, the important thing is that we're awake now and hopefully for a long time to come. So it's like, okay, that all craziness happened, whether it was real or a dream, but now we're awake and for a long time to come. So it's like, we're going to be awake in this marriage and like be in it together. Yeah. I guess then also the title to me was like, (laughs) and this is probably on me that their eyes are closed at the end as well. But yeah, maybe that's not what it's supposed to be. (laughs) 
I think it's kind of playing with the dream story title. Are your eyes awake? Are you awake? I mean, are your eyes open <laughs> or are they closed? Like what's real and what's a dream? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, for... Yeah, who did you choose? Yeah, for my recasting of Alice, I went with Jennifer Jason Lee Because, like, to me, the character is very sexy and... And that is how I read her. And um, I, I really like Jennifer Jason Lee. And I think she's very pretty and good looking and whatever. But I also think she's very sexy. And so that was why I decided to cast her. Jason Lee is from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, going way back. She's also in The Hateful Eight, The Karate Kid. She was most recently in Cobra Kai. She did a nice little uh, guest who, spot. Who, who is she? She was the girlfriend that both of the guys were fighting over in The Karate Kid. What? The Karate Kid is Ralph Macchio and William Zabka. And they both... In Cobra Kai, do you mean Allie? Yes. That's not... That's Elizabeth Shue, isn't it? Oh my god. That's Elizabeth Shue. I get them mixed up all the time. But anyway, (laughs) Jennifer Jason Leigh is the one in... um, She's definitely the. You want to edit this out? I'm gonna have to edit this out. That's horrifying. <laughs> I won't. This is embarrassing, but that's okay. No, you should. She's definitely in Hateful Eight. That's her for sure. And I feel pretty confident. Yeah, and she's definitely the one in Fast Times at Ridgemont High as well. <laughs> yeah, she's in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. But my God, I haven't seen that since it came out. What else has she been in recently? I honestly, I felt like that was a big name and didn't look up credits. Oh, oh she was in Single White Female as well. Twin Peaks. I didn't watch that. She was in two episodes of The Affair, which I've never seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she was she Sally was in- Bowles on stage for Cabaret. That's really cool. I didn't know that. She um, she was in Weeds? Yeah. Oh, I saw a few episodes. She was in quite 16 episodes of Weeds. Huh. Uh, okay. Well, if you don't know who she is, listeners, you can Google her. <laughs> <laughs> and she looks like Elizabeth Shue. She does look like Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's a good casting choice, too, because, yeah, she, like, looking at her picture, she's very pretty, but she's never really stood out because I had to look her up just now and be like, <laughs> I, I know that name, but who is she again? Yeah. So I think that's what that role is supposed to be. Yeah, I think that's a good read on it. I also, (laughs) and this is another director thing, I I really am a huge fan of Alan Cumming, and he played the hotel desk clerk. Yes. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's a really good actor. I've seen him in tons of things. I've seen almost his entire filmography. I've seen him on stage in person, and he's always great, and I did not like him very much in this. terrible, and again, I could, like, watching it this time, I'm like, this is the director. Mm -hmm. He's, he told him to act crazy, overtly sexual towards this man who just walked into your hotel, you're the clerk, like, how unprofessional was that? Yeah. And then, the other weird thing was, Tom Cruise would be like, I'm a doctor, and people give him all this personal information and he like, flashes his identification yeah. as yeah. if he's a cop and he's always like i'm not a cop i'm a doctor but he then he like flashes his wallet flashes as if he's flashing his, a yeah. badge 
yeah, I know. And I was like, what's he showing? Exactly. Like, Do people's driver's licenses say doctor whatever? No, I think he was showing a business card maybe. Oh, as well. brother. Well, <laughs> I, I can get know. business cards printed that say Dr. Lucia Julio too. <laughs> like flash them. Yeah. It reminded me of um, Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber when he's like, it's okay. I'm a limo driver. Oh, yeah. Like a hundred percent. Oh man. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but so I agree with you that like Alan Cumming, his performance was so weird and it didn't make any sense oh, yeah, and I didn't something. like it. And even yeah. like watching him in this, I and just thinking of like what else I know him from, I was like, oh, you know what? I could actually see him in the lead role. I think he would have been a good Doctor Bill too. Yeah, he would have. Yeah. yeah. But that goes back to the whole, like, originally in Dream Story, the, the main characters were Jewish and there was a lot of anti-Semitism against them. Mm-hmm. And he, Kubrick, took that out and instead put in a homophobia. Right. And so it was like, he, I f- there are like rainbows everywhere, if you notice. Yes. Yeah. So, and, the costume shop is rainbow something. Yeah. And uh, so I felt like he was trying to really push the... Yeah, but it felt shoehorned in. Like, it didn't... Yeah, 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 totally. That's why that scene with Alan Cumming was so weird. It didn't make sense. It didn't really fit the story. But if you look at it that, like, everyone desires this doctor, like men and women. Right. And that's why I think Johnny Depp would be really good. (laughs) He's got that look that, like, everyone That's true. That's true. I could see both men and women like yeah. falling all over him for sure. Yeah. I did see an interview with Alan Cumming where he talked about how like when he first got onto the set. So I guess he had auditioned via video and he was hired that way. And so then when he met Stanley Kubrick, he's like, hello, nice to meet you. I'm Alan Cumming. Stanley Kubrick said, you're not American. And he said, correct. I know. <laughs> and he's like, well, the ta- on the tape, you were American. And he said, well, I'm an actor. I can act American. And it's just that thing of like, what is wrong with Stanley Kubrick that he doesn't think actors can act? Yeah, that's why he cast Tom Cruise. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, you're great. (laughs) Well, apparently there was some pressure on Kubrick to cast big stars. I don't know if you can really say there's any pressure on Kubrick because he was at this stage in his career. So like given such a blank check that I doubt that there was any pressure on him whatsoever. But – you and I have just cast big stars. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but then again, maybe they didn't want to do it because maybe the script just sounded so bizarre. And, and maybe they, you know, people talk. Maybe they knew what it would be like to work with him. And maybe it was hard for him to cast people. I have no idea. Yeah. But did you know he died? Well, one place I read said six days after the final showing or final cut was shown. And another place said four days after the final cut was shown. Um, but did you read about the conspiracy theories no. that he was murdered? What? No, I didn't. Yeah. yeah. So he died of a heart attack like four or six days after the final cut was shown to Warner Brothers Pictures. Mm-hmm. And Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Okay. But the conspiracy theory is that he was murdered and it made it made they made it look like a heart attack because this movie exposed all the elite Hollywood people and that scene in that mansion with the whole orgy that they do stuff like that. And now with Jeffrey, what's his name? Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Um, with all the stuff that came out about him, 
And so conspiracy theorists are saying, see, we were right that he was murdered because he was going to reveal to the world what these people do. Okay. Then why was the movie released? <laughs> oh, because so this website. That Is it QAnon? Is that the website you're no. reading? <laughs> I'll tell you what it is. It's listverse.com, and it's 10 creepy controversies around Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> so apparently, after he died, they did some more editing to the movie. Mm -hmm. And he, Kubrick was, this is what this website says, <laughs> if I can believe what I read, everything I read on the internet. <laughs> it says that he was very in control of his movies yeah. and would not have let any editing be done. Any more editing, obviously he edited it, but like things cut out from the movie. And so after he died, they cut out a bunch of scenes and then released it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I found that interesting. I don't think I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> But it is interesting, sure. It um, is interesting that in the movie, that beauty queen is potentially murdered. You know, right. The girl that helps him in the castle, whatever. Yeah, but then um, Sidney Pollock is like, no, she just OD'd. She was just a junkie. Yeah, which was weird, too, but I think was supposed to be weird because he was like, your life's in danger. You don't understand. If I told you who these people were, you would be so scared, blah, blah, blah. And then Tom Cruise is like, this girl was murdered. And he's like, no, no, she just overdosed. She's fine. No one killed her. Like, <laughs> yeah. what? You just did a full 180. Also, did you notice the newspaper when he read the headline? Uh, I should have written it down. I thought I just remembered. It, it said like, ex-beauty queen. queen. Okay, here's what I saw. Because what I saw and then I read something somewhere and they were different. So I swear this is what I saw. Ex-beauty queen dies hotel drugs overdose. Yet that was exactly what it was because I paused it yeah. to make sure. And they showed it twice right. in two different scenes. It doesn't make sense. No. And you know when you have dreams and you can't quite mm. read words or numbers in your dreams? And yeah. that's like in movies, they do that a lot to show that it's a dream. Oh. Like the numbers don't make sense on a clock or the words don't make sense on something. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is like supposed to be proof maybe that it's a dream because – Ex-beauty queen dies, hotel, drugs, overdose. Yeah. Like, I, I read it a few that, times because I was like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. I think unless it was just really bad, like but, bad, bad oversight. But I, I felt like, oh, this is supposed to show us that this is a dream he's having. Yeah. And I'd be inclined to say that it's not a mistake just because Kubrick is so particular about every color, every, like every single oh, thing that's, that's in frame. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that was definitely on purpose then. Wow. And they, again, like it was twice. He read it in the restaurant and then he shows it again when he's talking to Victor at his house. Yeah. So that's interesting. Going back to the conspiracy for a second, that is really interesting because also the book the novella, I should say, the party that they go to and him and his wife go to the party in the novella, it has all the characters dressed as nuns and monks, not men mm -hmm. fully dressed head to toe and women fully naked or nearly naked. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is where my brain got stuck and it wouldn't let me like, I don't know, read the story or like figure out what's happening in the movie because I was just like, what is this bullshit where it's like, it's so male gazy. 
Yeah. Everything, the women are constantly naked and the men are constantly fully clothed. Except for that one scene where everyone's naked. But even then. But yeah, there's many. Even even then, then. there's only a handful of men are naked and all the women are naked. Oh, really? Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, that, that was something I got stuck on. In fact, I read this really good article called... Stanley Kubrick Through a Feminist Lens, I think it was. It was written a couple months ago. It was on filmdaily.co, and it was written by Amy Roberts. And it is really interesting and worth any listeners who want to read more. I think it's definitely worth your time because, you know, Kubrick is so revered by other white male directors. And it's just, I don't know, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to me to watch. And I think also then I get <laughs> my brain wants to compensate. And so it's like, no, it sucks without maybe giving it a chance. And yeah. there are lots of problems. But like, I kind of almost would like to watch it again, to try and just kind of pay attention to the story, not pay attention to the actors, meaning who is cast in it, not paying attention yeah. to like, who watch it again, it. imagining either of our recasts, right? And I think, well, you'd have to also reimagine the directing. Yeah, that's the part that's tough. Make a movie in your mind. (laughs) Okay. A guy on a crazy erotic two-day bender. Yeah. Oh, there was one other thing. There's another part, sorry to interrupt, but another part that made it seem like it could have been a, a dream is when he goes to the costume shop and the man catches his daughter with the two like having sex with two strange men and he like loses it. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And the very next day he's prostituting his daughter out. And he's like, Hey, if you want anything, here she is. So it's like, is this all a dream? Because that doesn't make sense. Right. But of course, Tom Cruise just looked like a robot and (laughs) wasn't very confused that that had happened. He's just like looking at her. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know what that's true there are a lot of things that don't make sense but could make sense if it was a dream yeah in the orgy whatever you want to call it the masquerade sex party i thought it was really weird because okay so i actually paused the movie at that point after the woman she's like warning him first of all <laughs> it was definitely 80 yard but like her voice is echoing so loudly in this scene that i'm like oh, I- what is going everyone's hearing her i was thinking Shh. <laughs> yes, exactly and uh, did you know that's kate blanchett's voice uh no yeah so i guess the actress like the the actress who was doing it her english was or sorry was it her her american accent was not good and so they had kate blanchett oh. do it really yeah who's also yeah. not american but i guess she can do a good american accent interesting yeah but so that character then like mandy that was mandy okay had we seen her before yeah she's the girl in the bathroom at the christmas party that overdoses and tom Uh, cruise goes up and like revives her yeah that's the same girl okay and that's the ex-beauty queen who was murdered Yes. It's all the same girl. I I knew that it was ex-beauty queen. I didn't connect the dots that it was Mandy from the beginning because I was like, what? Why is she helping him? Like, what's going on? He, now that makes Victor, sense. Because he saved her life. Him. Yeah, he, he says in the scene where he goes to his house after, he's like, you you saved her in my bathroom or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess you missed it. 
Okay, that makes a lot more sense now because I was totally like, why would she sacrifice herself for him? And then it also <laughs> made me think that Sidney Pollock saying, that was all fake. It was all just for you. I was like, okay, makes sense because it doesn't make sense the other way. But okay, oh. if she's kind of returning the favor that he saved her life now, that makes yeah. sense. Okay. <laughs> now I'm all right with it. Good movie. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this. This is just like, uh, maybe I'm beating a dead horse, but this is just another example of like the way Kubrick treats actors. So he wanted to exaggerate distrust between Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, between their characters, but so he also did it between these people. He would direct them separately, and apparently he forbade them to share notes, which I don't know how you do that. They're married and they yeah, live together, married. but maybe it's written into their contract. And then for the cheating scene where it's like in Tom Cruise's head, but we see Nicole Kidman fooling around oh, with yeah, the sailor, yeah. Kidman had to shoot naked sex scenes for six days. They did, yep, they did over 50 sexual positions. Oh my God. And he banned Tom Cruise from the set, even though she had asked for him to be there. Oh. So he's, he was just not a good person. For six days. That scene is like maybe three seconds long. It's twice. Like it happens twice. There's one where she's wearing a dress (laughs) and then the other one is when she's naked. But all together, it's like three seconds long. Yeah, yeah. It's not long. It's I, I would it's guess really a total of 20 to 30 seconds at the most. I, do you think it's that long? Yeah. Maybe. Okay. I read somewhere a minute, like, but that felt too long. The one where they're having sex, I was like, who is that? I, and I'm like, is that Nicole Kidman? <laughs> <laughs> it was so fast. Oh, wow. Okay. I was confused. And then I figured, oh, it must be her, like, in his imagination. Yeah, I don't know. I think... I like both of the recastings that we did. I would like to watch it imagining those people. (laughs) But yeah, I think this needs more. And there is an interesting idea there. Yeah. I'd like to read his idea. Let's be honest. It's from Dream Story, which was 1926. Can you imagine watching something like this in 1926? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is Austrian. So they're definitely more liberal there. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. It's interesting. It was the Roaring Twenties. <laughs> have you, Mister? Have you seen Vanilla Sky? Yes. That's also like a dream-like confusion movie that Tom Cruise is in. That he also ruined. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because it's based on a Spanish movie. I don't know if you saw the original. Mm-hmm. I didn't see the okay. original, but I remember when I watched Vanilla Sky, I looked it up and read about how it was based on the Spanish movie. Yeah. I thought I would like to see that one instead. It's better, for sure. Yeah. So I've gone through all my notes. I don't know if you have anything else. Um, I wrote while I was watching, Tom Cruise is so robotic that we never feel the dreamlike confusion. We just feel like this is stupid. (laughs) You know what? I did feel like that a lot. So it probably is his fault. (laughs) Yeah, it is completely. Yeah. Not just his, but I blame the director too. Yeah. Okay. So the ratings that I found on IMDb, this had a 68% from 34 critics. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it had a 75% from 157 reviewers. So that's not bad. Pardon? I would give it about that. Yeah. Okay. Like 70%. Yeah. I gave it a lot because lower. <laughs> it, could be, it could be really good. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting idea for mm-hmm. a movie. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was a commercial success overall. And in fact, it was Kubrick's second highest grossing film in the US, even though 
if you just look at the U.S. numbers, it didn't recoup its money. Oh. So yeah, it what was, was con- 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh. And that's probably also because I have a feeling the way box office numbers are calculated is that even if you do a revival, it goes towards the box office. So like that movie's played all the time in theaters. Oh, maybe. Yeah. And I'm sure it was a hit at the time as well, but that just keeps adding to it. I've actually never seen it. My fraught relationship with Kubrick continues if I talk about that. Okay. We'll save it for another day. <laughs> I think there are some really, really good, 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 good parts of it, and then some really weird things too. So mm-hmm. it's worth watching for sure. No doubt about it. All right. All right. So we will take our last break and then we'll continue on to our final segment. This episode of Repodcasting is brought to you by the Calgary Foundation. Whether it's funding anti-racism programs, addiction recovery, or food hampers for the hungry, for 65 years, the Calgary Foundation has proudly supported the charitable community to address some of Calgary's biggest challenges. Now, during this period of unprecedented urgent needs, Calgary Foundation renewed its commitment to building a healthy, vibrant, giving, caring, and resilient community. If you're a registered charity looking for a grant, a professional advisor creating a giving plan for your client, or a donor wanting to give back to community, discover a wealth of resources at calgaryfoundation.org and learn more about their work through Calgary Foundation's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And it is time for our last segment. Hold me close, young Tony Danza. It's time for Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza, the segment where we cast Tony Danza into one of the roles in this movie. And I have to say, this was one of the tougher assignments this time around. (laughs) Marita. It was easy for me. Oh, okay. So let's hear it. Who did you cast Tony Danza as? I cast him as Nick Nightingale, the ex-doctor, now piano player, who plays piano, basically one note, at a time for these orgies. That's 100% what I was thinking during that orgy. I'm like, this is what the guy's playing? (laughs) Amazing. I'm glad you paid this guy. Um, (laughs) But he's blindfolded and doesn't participate at all. So I thought, oh, perfect for Tony Danza because I want to keep him out of all this like erotic orgy sexualness you don't want to think of tony danza as a sexual being (laughs) yeah no but like not with the way that they were conducting like how like you said where the men were all fully clothed and the women just disrobed in front of everyone yeah i'm I'm just teasing because i did the same thing uh not nick nightingale but i i went for a role that was like not involved in any of that Uh, (laughs) i cast him as carl who you probably won't remember who that is. It's Thomas Gibson from Dharma and Greg. So <gasps> I thought that was. Oh, I, I meant to look him up after that actor. I'm like, I've seen him in some TV show. It's Greg from Dharma and Greg. Yes. Oh. So he was the yeah, that's hus- a good role for Tony Danza. Yeah, yeah. he oh, was the husband explain. of um uh one of the patients, Marion, whose father died. Oh, when after Nicole Kidman's breakdown, Tom Cruise gets a call and goes to see. So this is another thing. I'm not in the medical community, but you find someone dead at home and you call your family doctor to make a house call? No. <laughs> I, I was like, what the heck is going yeah. on here? <laughs> but that's part of the dream. And I, I think it's supposed to be part of the dream because she comes on to him. Right. 
Yeah. She calls the doctor like, oh my God, my father died. Come to the house. And he comes to the house and then she comes on to him. Right. It's kind of weird. If they hadn't done the two young women coming on to him at the, at party, the party, if that was left out, I would 100% think that it was a dream because like it would make sense that way because it's like, oh, now that he had this conversation with his wife that every woman's all over you, then That's he'd start the seeing starts. it. That's starts. Okay, we saw this movie totally different, differently. Um, oh, to me, the dream is me, like a traumatic thing after his wife said she wanted to cheat on him. Yeah. But the so women at the party is in the beginning. That's not part of the dream. That's just his regular life. He exactly. Had, like, people are flirting with him and, and hitting on him. And I want that to be only in his dream. Why? He's supposed to be a good looking guy. He's at this Christmas party. This is okay. This is how I see this movie. They go to this Christmas party together. He's really hot and desirable, and so women are coming on to him. She, his wife, is drinking alone at the bar. Yeah. And then this stranger comes up and asks her to dance, and she's like, oh, somebody is paying attention to me, and she's all happy about it. And then they go home, and they smoke up, and they have this conversation, and then the dream starts. That's how I saw the movie. Yes. Now, my point was that when he's speaking with Nicole Kidman and she's like, it's all about sex. And he's like, no, that's the last thing on their minds when they th they're with me. That's about his patience. It is. It is. But yeah. I still think it would have strengthened that to have that only happen after this conversation. Mm. To me, it sets the stage for who they are and who their characters are and how they react to each other and other people. It does set the stage for that conversation. That's true. Yeah, right. right. She wouldn't have had that conversation with him if he hadn't like left her alone for so long at the party. Yeah. So that, I think, about does it for Eyes Wide Shut. I think yeah. we have improved it. Maybe we should start considering recasting directors here and there, too. <laughs> <laughs> this would have been an interesting David Lynch movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you could recast directors. That'd be interesting. Yeah. So for uh, for next month, Janet will be back, and we will be Yay. recasting Gangs of New York. Ooh. Yes. I have also never I seen that. that. Oh, you've never seen it? I no. saw it, but I have to rewatch it. It's, it's, I, there's a lot of blood. I remember that. Exactly. Blood. And dear listener, I apologize because I think the last three movies were two and a half hours long, and this one's very long as well. <laughs> <laughs> we're just on a long movie streak for the moment. <laughs> What um, else do we have to do? We're all quarantined in isolation. <laughs> yeah, watch a long movie. So if you have any suggestions for movies that we should recast, you can email us at repodcasting at gmail.com or find us on all the social media outlets at repodcasting. And Marita, thank you so much for joining me. It was good to have you back. Thank you for having me. It was really fun. And it was good to good movie pick. Good for thank recasting. You. All right. Well, listeners. Yeah, definitely. Thanks. We'll see you next month. Bye. Bye.